Hallelujah. Keith, what a blessing. Thank you, Pastor. Good to be here this morning. Praise God. Good to see you. Am I the most handsome, bald-headed guy you ever saw in your life? I, you know, in Cambodia, they, they tease me, of course. I've told you some, some of you the same story before, but in Cambodia, of course, you shave your head. There's three reasons why you shave your head in Cambodia. One, you're a Buddhist monk. Uh, number two, uh, somebody in the family died. And number three, you're an escape convict. <laughs> so when my lovely wife, Jeannie, was in the U.S., I've been talking about shaving my head because my hair was thinning, and I didn't want to do the comb-over thing. And uh, so I said, I'm shaving it. And she kept telling me, no, no, no. And I said, okay, you, she went to America. I was there three months by myself, and I shaved my head. All my Cambodian friends said, oh, you become a Buddha? I said, no, I'm monk for Jesus. And they said, oh, somebody in the family die? I go, yes, me, for Jesus. And they said, you convict? Yes, I'm prisoner for Jesus. But the day I shaved my head, I didn't know that a bunch of convicts actually escaped. Now, I don't know how you guys understand this, but in America, if you're an escaped convict, you get a little bit of you know, rights and all that kind of stuff. Over there, if you're escaped, they shoot you. They just see a bald-headed guy. I'm not joking. They see a bald-headed guy. That's an escapee. They have a grenade. They threw a grenade. Don't escape if you get arrested in Cambodia. Don't get arrested, number one, but then don't try to escape. They threw the grenade at a group of guys that escaped, and they killed them all. So my friends were afraid for me to go out that day, and I did not go out that day. I really didn't. It was a crazy day. Hey, listen, I want to share with you a few slides, give you a little bit of update of the ministry. Thank you so much for your prayers and your financial support for the ministry in Cambodia. And uh, I want to give you uh, Cambodia, of course, a small nation. It's in Southeast Asia. Uh, the, the country, um, hold on, go back one more, please. Where's my, there we go. Uh, we are up near the Thai border, Benamache, you see the thing, our little town of Sisapan, kind of about seven, eight hours away from Phnom Penh, and uh, we've been there about a year, almost two years now. Next one, please. Uh, this is an overview of what's going on in the sense of uh, spiritually in the world. Uh, it doesn't say that everybody's a Christian in America, but that's where Christianity is the blue, okay, you can see the green, go back one, you can see the green, and that's where the Muslim, uh, believe, mostly people that are Muslim there, uh, Hindu and, and, and Buddhist, Hindu is in uh, mostly India, the, the orange, and, and the Buddhism is in China and in Southeast Asia, next one, uh, unreach means people have, don't have access to the gospel, they don't have a church, they don't have Christians around them, they don't have any media in which you can share the gospel with them. 95% of the people in Cambodia are on reach. That's a lot of people that have, have never even heard the gospel. Uh, next, please. Now, Buddhism, of course, is 95% uh, uh, in Cambodia. Next. These are some children. We have a partnership with local churches. We work with local churches. There are a small number of Christians there in Cambodia. And these children all receive a, a uniform. Next one, please. Uh, they, the pastor... He wanted to show me that he actually bought the uniform. He's not corrupt. And he went out and bought the uniform, put it on. See the tags? See the tags on it? He, he made sure I saw the tags. These were new, you know. 
So these are poor children from a village. We went to a pastor. We gave $10 per child. Uh, I think you guys helped us with that. Thank you so much. And we ended up uh, buying this kid's uniform for $10. The uniform's six, and they got $4 worth of supplies. Next one. Uh, reaching the unreached. There's about 4 billion people living in the 1040 window nations. About 85% of those people that live there in the 1040 window are the poorest of the poor. Uh, next one. You know, in, in reaching these people, it's very important. What we do is we work alongside the Kamai Christian people. And this is one of our Kamai pastors. He's the one that took the picture of the children. He goes house to house, and he has many villages there. He's a Baptist, but he don't know he's a Baptist. So he's really on fire for Jesus, you know. The neat thing about Cambodia right now is that they're really not, when we think of Methodist church or Lutheran, we kind of think of mainline in America. It's not like that over there. Those people are on fire for God, and it's exciting. Next one, please. These are, these are some of our uh, the two women here that actually go house to house sharing the gospel. When we first met them, they were walking, and then uh, we got the Misa bicycle, and literally many people have come to Christ through their ministry. They're the type of ladies that just very quietly go house to house and, and like kind of sneak in, share the gospel with people. And uh, people have never heard the gospel. They hear it, and many come to Christ the first, when they first hear it. Uh, how many of us have relatives and friends that have heard the gospel many times? And uh, praise God for their open hearts. Next one. Here's an exciting testimony. We went out to this pastor. He, he wanted me to raise money to build him a church. And I said, brother, you build a church. You have faith. I said, you do what you can with the faith God's given you and the resource. They collected an offering, which was enough to build them a bamboo church. They bought the wood, bamboo wood, and they built it themselves. I said, you did what God gave you the resources, and you did what you could or what you had. I said, God will give you an increase. God will give you an increase. Just use what you have. So praise God for him reaching out to this village. There was no Christians out here, and the Lord sent him out there. Next one. This is exciting because this is one of our main partners in the town we live. This pastor is really, we've been, we have a Bible school in his church. We have five Bible schools inside a local church, like you guys have here. And what we did was we'd been training them about evangelism. And Ron Hong Bonke is one of our teachers in our Bible school. Now, Pastor Jeff, you got Ron Hong Bonke in your school? Not yet. Not yet. You're on the way. Well, I got him. I got him by video, though, so. <laughs> he speaks Khmer really good. <laughs> uh, anyways, th- this, this is a training, an evangelism training. Next picture. These guys all graduated. What do they do? What, what did, what did uh, David just say? Most people come to Christ because of a relationship. One person shares the gospel with another person. They learned how to share the gospel. They went out and they shared the gospel. And they, about 1,700 people came to Christ in the month of December by a one-on-one evangelism. You cannot do big, big, what we would call big meetings outdoors. You can't do them. Joyce Myers, a few years ago, came to Cambodia and tried to do a real big one in Phnom Penh. And they shut her down and chased her out. But Joyce Myers is doing some good things here, by the way. Next one. This is the Bible school. So this, some classes are like 10 people, 15 people. Next one. Uh, here is the video you can see on the side. The people are gathered. They can watch the video uh, Bible school presentation. Next. This is a prison, uh, 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 a drug rehab outreach. Uh, actually, Freddie is the one that got this one started. The pastor worked with for years. Uh, he was trying to get in there. And he ended up, Freddie ended up having a, a favor with another pastor and got in. And he, we've been going since, we go about once a month. 
Remember, my role is not to do the work of the ministry. My role is to help them. Now, the, the pastor, uh, he wants me to come every, every week. But I, no, 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 that's your job. You do that, I'll help you. Praise God for guys getting saved and set free. There is a teen challenge I found out in, in, in Phnom Penh. So that's good. Next. Oh, we had a fun game night uh, after our, our students. These guys are college age. They come to the church. They learn the Bible in English. And then we share the gospel with them, of course, and many come to Christ. And they came to my house. Next picture. And we had a little refreshments. Popcorn and bananas. Sound good to you? Popcorn and bananas. Who's ever eaten a banana right off a banana tree? Good, huh? Isn't that good? What a difference. Who likes coconut? Oh, I miss coconut. I talk about coconut from the tree, you know? Remember that, Dave? We had those coconuts? I, I didn't like coconut when I first went there, but oh, I love coconuts. Great. Next one. Here's one of the uh, graduating classes. The students, every time they finish the, the Bible and English class, they get a certificate. And uh, we have a higher standard for most people that have these classes. We require them to have 80% correct, and they have to come to 80% of the classes. Uh, Cambodia requires when you graduate from college, if you get 51% of your test, you get to pass. That's the requirement. And we want to raise the standard. Next. Now, these are the two pastors we work with. Pastor uh, Cho Chin, the older brother on the side. I want to tell you a quick testimony of this man. And this happened many times in Cambodia. I personally have heard their testimonies. During the Khmer Rouge, in which the, the Civil War was going on, many people were being killed, Pastor Cho Chin was not a Christian. He did not even know there was a God. He didn't have no idea there was a God, but he's running through literally the minefield, and people are dying around him. He's with his family, escaping, going, running up to Thailand, trying to get into a refugee camp. And as he's run through this landmine, he sees himself still living. Other people are dead. He says, I don't know who you are. He says, but I know you made the sun and the moon and the stars, and you, I want to talk to you because you are God. And he even told me, it's funny, he said, he said that, he said, I don't want to talk to any God that cannot make these things. He said, if you can't make that, then you're not God. Be quiet. <laughs> he said, be quiet. <laughs> Nobody ever shared the gospel with him. He's running through this minefield. He knows there's a God. He wants to know that God, but somebody still needed to tell him. He gets to Thailand, and the Christian man comes up to him in the Thai border in the refugee camp, opens the Bible. The first place he opens is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was God. And Pastor Cho since said, he points to the Bible. I told him, that's the God I want to know. That's the God I want to know. He said, because that's the true God. Now, in Cambodia, they call their sun and their moon and the stars. They're all gods. They all have names. They're gods. But they all know they have no power. Next. I was out uh, going to a Bible school, and we ended up... looks like a river. But that's not a river. That actually was a flood, and it washed away the road. And at first, I was going to cross this water. I thought, okay, it's not very much. It actually was past my waist, deeper than my waist. And uh, so we couldn't go. The funny thing was... This brother, who's a, a great Christian brother, I love this guy, he's going to go to heaven. You guys know some Christian people that are horrible drivers? Just terrible. They shouldn't even be on a road. You guys know anybody? Anybody in the church, a horrible driver? Pastor, can we lay hands on him? This brother, I love him, but he almost killed me at least 100 times. I'm not exaggerating. He almost killed me. I was on my moto last year, and I had the, uh, the encounter with the dog, and I almost died. Thank God uh, I didn't die. The dog died. 
I had my helmet on. The dog did not have his helmet on. So, but this brother, he's riding me around, and I'm praying that I get a moto because I said, Lord, I need my own moto. I can't be letting this guy drive me every place because he's going to kill me. And uh, the funny thing was even my home church, Pastor, listen to this. My own home church said, we don't want to buy you a moto. I go, what do you know me? don't want to buy me a moto. I need a moto. I, I got to drive around. That's the way you get around. Motos are little, little motorcycles like a 125cc. They said, because you're a terrible driver. They told me that. They said, you already had three or four accidents. I go, three or four accidents? I said, have you guys ever been there? You know how they drive? That's pretty good. <laughs> you're actually doing good. So I said, no, I had, I had some mishaps three or four times. I had one encounter with a demon-possessed dog. I said, uh, I said, let me put it to you this way. I said, either I let these people drive me. They may be Christian, but they're terrible drivers. Or I, get put, I put my own hands to my own moto. I want to put my hands to... Anybody feel that way? Yeah. Did you ever get in a car with somebody and say, I'll drive? <laughs> Did you ever do that? <laughs> okay, uh, that's it. Thank you. I don't want to start any trouble this morning. I want to. Well, we do appreciate your, your prayers and support, really. Um, I, I'm going back to Cambodia in uh, the 25th of January, and uh, my wife, Jean, will be staying home and continuing to care for her mom, who's at the end of Alzheimer's. And. Uh, she actually helps her dad. Her dad's 87 and has a lot of health issues too. So she's not happy about leaving me. I'm not happy about leaving her. But I kind of think of, well, the military guys get called up and they go on active duty and they leave their families. So last year was the first time since 2004. Last year, it was the first time since 2004 that Jeannie had not joined me all year. And we really were hoping that this year she'd be able to come, and we believe that's going to happen. God will make a way. So just you keep us in prayer for that, okay? And uh, definitely pray for me. I'm out there. And pray for my wife. She's going to have it a lot harder than I am. As uh, Jeannie said, I'm going to be running around, having a lot of fun, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, but it's ministry, too. She's taking care of her mom. And uh, may not be very glamorous, may not look very good. To go home and change your mommy's diaper, that's not too spiritual, right? But, uh, you know, that's just showing the love of Jesus, right? Yeah. Got to do that too, right? So, that's where we're at. I love my mother-in-law. I always tell my mother-in-law I'm her favorite son-in-law. I'm the only one she's got, but I'm still her, I'm still her favorite. I'm still her favorite. You guys got your Bibles with you? Open up to Malachi. Pastor already... Uh, uh, Gave me a confirmation that this is where the Lord's leading me this morning. I know typically we as believers, when we do look at Malachi, we typically think of, of, of a sermon or a teaching on tithes and offerings, and people right now are beginning to grab their wallets and hold tight after pastor just said, Keith's guy doesn't come over here trying to get money. <laughs> so now they're wondering, wow, now he's going to Malachi, the first thing. <laughs> so... When I look at Malachi, when I've read through it over the years, I kind of look at this overall theme in Malachi as God having a conversation with his people through his servant. This is the prophet who's speaking to the people of God. And there are many different ways God speaks to us. We had a young man give us a vision 
God speaks to us. We're young. He speaks to us different ways. And he speaks through prophets. He speaks through teachers. He speaks through his word. And, and here, Malachi is going to give the word of God to his people. There's some correction going on here to the people of God. But there's also some edification, some encouragement. When I look at Malachi, I look at honoring God. There's several different places, actually, that Malachi touches the people of God with the idea of honoring him. Now, when we look at, when we look at Malachi, we see that God is talking to the prophet. He's talking to him about the priest. Look at chapter 1, verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? says the Lord Almighty. And then he goes on to, he's having this conversation. He's saying, if I'm your God, if I'm your father, where's my respect? If I'm your master, where is my respect? He's not speaking to people that don't know him. He's talking to his people. He's talking to his family. This is like you have a real serious conversation if you have a healthy dad in your life. And dad sits down with you, and, and dad wants to have a very mature conversation with you and kind of confronts you on some things. Okay? These are, these are God's people, and God's our father, and he's going to have a conversation with his children, and he's dealing with his son here and saying, where's the honor that's due me? He's asking that question. He specifically is talking to the priest. And who were the Jewish priests? These were the Levites. These were those that were put in the position of leadership for a purpose of bringing glory to God, revealing the standard and the word of God to, to God's people. That's why God has priests, or that's why he has pastors and teachers, evangelists and apostles, and, and that's why he has those people in the body, to help us understand and see God's word. So he's talking to the priest. He says, it's you, you priest over here. Can you imagine? <laughs> You're sitting down. And let's say, like, I, I've been to conferences where they call them pastor's conferences. It's kind of funny, though, but typically in the church world, just about everybody's called a pastor. I mean, everybody. It's like, hello, hello, pastor, so-and-so, and hello, pastor, so-and-so, and hello, pastor. Just, you're always a pastor. Did you, ever, did you ever go up to somebody and you go, hello, Pastor Keith, how are you? Oh, hello, Teacher Keith. Oh, hello, Apostle Keith. Oh, except for Dave, he always does it. Uh, hello, hello, Evangelist Keith. Most people don't do that. We use a title kind of just to cover everything and say, everybody's called a pastor. But not everybody is a pastor. But we just do that. But there's a group of people that were Levites that were priests. And God is correcting them through his servant. Now, this is taking place about uh, halfway through the the 5th century, uh, the 4th century there, and about 400 years before Jesus comes. And there's that period of silence that that goes on before Christ comes. And he's he's this last one to write these things, the last Old Testament prophet to write. Uh, these things down. The Old Testament book, I should say, because John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. But he's the last Old Testament writer. And I want you to see here how he deals with the priest. He's going to talk to them. He's talking to the people that are supposed to be serving God, supposed to be doing something. What are many different duties that the, that the servant had? And I want you to think about the idea here, honoring God with an offering. Now, don't automatically think about money. It's about worship, because we just had worship. And what did we do in worship? We were encouraged to honor God, to offer to God our praise, our, 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 our worship to him. 
In the Old Testament, when they had worship, the people gathered and they brought their sacrifices. And they brought their sin sacrifices, they brought their fellowship sacrifices, they brought all those things to the priest. And these priests were not honoring God in receiving those offerings. They were not honoring God in receiving the offerings. And what they did with the offering, they corrupted the offering. You know, we had a guy in Cambodia. We had a church uh, a partner, a, a, a missionary, I should say. He had some property that he was going to build a church on. And so the one Khmer pastor, after working for many years with that missionary, took that land and sold it. And then he took the land and bought himself some land. He was thinking he'd make a profit. And I told him, brother, you didn't just steal the money from this missionary. You took money from the offering. Honoring God with the offering. Now, that was tangible offering. Somebody gave money to buy land. And then that guy took that offering and he polluted it and he twisted it and he used it for the wrong reason. Look here in, in uh, Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 again. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. How can you show contempt for my name? Honoring God's name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? Taking the offering, these were the animal offerings, and, and, and lowering the standard of God, it's okay, you can have a crippled one, it, it's, it's acceptable. So there was, there was a, a, an unholy partnership between the priests and the people. The people were more, more than happy to give the corrupt offering. I mean, how did the priest get the lamb with the broken leg? Somebody gave the priest the, the corrupt offering. He took it. He shouldn't have taken it. So he was corrupt. But then the people were corrupt because they gave it to him. But who's being dealt with here? The priest. That shows the responsibility of the leadership, right? So, so, so it, maybe it's not the politically correct, but sometimes the leadership has to say, that's wrong. Uh, you can't do that. Oh, I'm leaving then. Well, you're leaving. That happens sometimes. So if the priests would have stood their ground, what ground? The holy ground. This is what God requires. God has a standard. God's word declares what we have to give. You cannot give that. It's wrong. There are many, many churches today that the priests are accepting the corruption from the people because they themselves are corrupt. And they're not standing up to tell the people, don't do that. That violates the word of God. Don't do that. You are my feelings. I'm not coming back to your church anymore. You know, I'm giving you a dollar next week in the offering. So, so here, it's God's, God's servant, the prophet, going to his people, going to the leadership saying, you guys got to honor God. How? You're, you're called by God to honor him with the offering. Those things are holy. What God Listen, God gave the people the animals in the first place. Okay? God is the one that gave the animals, and then they made a choice. Oh, this one broke his leg. Oh, must be for God. And listen, God gave his best, 
Josh. And then we're returning something that's broken or lame or left over. You know, it was amazing. Years ago when I was in Romania, we went into this, we went into this big school. And they were so excited. They had all these uh, donations. And I opened up the room and all these computers and all this stuff. And wow. And uh, through the translator, the guy said, yeah, yeah, we got all this donated. I said, well, that's great. You got, you got computers. He said, none of it works. He said, we got it from Christian people, though. Christian people gave their junk to honor God. Godly people were giving junk at the altar to honor God. And the leader were taking the junk because maybe they got lamb chops out of it. They got a good meal. It's got a broken leg. It's still good. You know, like, you know when I went to Cambodia and I hit that dog... You know, there almost was a fight over who's going to cook the dog. Now, I love dogs. So I, it was no problem for me to say, no, 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 you please, you take the dog, go home, make soup. No problem. You know, but, but see, I want you to see you're honoring God. Who's honoring God? The people of God are required to honor God. The leadership are required to honor God. And the leadership's got to stand, even though the people don't like them, and the leadership's got to stand on what? The standard of God. It's all about honoring God in this whole thing. And right now, we live in a culture, we live in an environment that the people of God are not honoring God. And it's becoming easier and easier for people to leave a fellowship of believers to go find somebody to be willing to accept their leftovers. Think about it. What do you have in you? The gifts, the talents, the abilities... That God's invested in you. He's given you the best. Return it to him. Return it to him. So now we see here in verse number 8. He's offering the crippled sacrifices. Diseased animals. He said, is that not wrong? The prophet's saying, is it not wrong? You can't say that nowadays, right? Nothing's wrong. There's nothing wrong, right? Do whatever you want, whenever you want. Nobody can correct me. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Well, isn't it wrong? Well, according to God's standards, it's wrong. Okay, now look, look, he said, he said, why don't you give them to your governor? Give them to somebody that you can see on your plane as a human being. Give it to that governor. Honor them with that broken, crippled, diseased animal. We don't even do that in our lives. If, I don't know, if, I'm not going to get into politics, but if maybe you like or don't like the, the policies of our president, but you should respect him if he came in. There's a respect for the office and for to give somebody in that position of office such a, such a, 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 a crippled, diseased animal. Here are their governors. Why don't you give it to the governor? See if he'll accept it. Don't give God your leftovers. Don't give God your leftovers. Give him your life. What he's given to you. So now we go to verse number 10, the temple. Honoring God. The Levites needed to honor God. The priests did. Need to honor God in the offering. And what about the temple? This is a shocking statement in the Bible. Chapter 1, verse 10. This is, this, this is what the Lord says. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not 
light a useless fire on my altar, for I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. Close the doors. You see, listen, listen. the temple is a meeting place. The building is not the church. It's a meeting place. If you're not going to meet with Jesus in the building, close the door. So many people have brought corrupt things into the building, put them on the altar, claiming to get them to God, and God is saying, close the door. The bamboo church. A bamboo door. Close the bamboo door. If God's not in that little bamboo building. But we like our buildings. We love our buildings. We can't close them. It's historical. We got to keep it. All over Europe, we got historical buildings that are museums. And God's left hundreds of years ago. Honoring God. Leadership honoring God. People honoring God. The building we meet in honoring God in that building. What about our homes? Honoring God in our houses, in our temples, in our bodies. Oh, can you imagine God saying, close the door, Keith? In your body? Supposed to be the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Supposed to be a temple. What about verse 11? Honoring God. What's the whole purpose of all this stuff? Why do we want to honor God? It's for us. We build our relationship and we walk with him. And and that's fantastic and that's great and we need to do that. But listen, listen. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. You know, in the time that he's writing this, the, the pagan people basically around Israel, they had multiple gods. Uh, and they had a god that we would call territorial demons nowadays. But, but basically the god was, was only in a certain uh, geographical location. And when you crossed a certain border, that god no longer had power, and they went to another god. God is telling Israel, his people, I am God of Israel, but I am broader and I am bigger than Israel. It wasn't until the Great Commission that came along with this idea. Here he tells about the nations. What's the whole purpose of all this? Why does God want his people to be clean? Why does God want his people to follow the standards of God? Why does God want his people to honor him in their offering? Why does God want the people to use the temple to honor him? For the nations. Look at verse 11, chapter 1. My name will be great among the nations from the rising of the, and the sitting of the sun in every place, incest, and pure offering will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations. You understand? Remember, remember, remember uh, uh, Rachel, oh, can't think of her name. Rachel, not Rachel, the prostitute. Rahab, Rahab thank you, thank you. I have too many R's in my mind. Rahab. She, she, she heard about the power of God. She heard it. She knew about it. And she's telling the, the, the spies that she knows that their God is powerful and their God can do these things. Chosen did not know the name of God. 
But he knew God was powerful. He could see the sun, the moon, the stars. He could see them. Somebody made that. That one is the one I want to worship. So, they had their own little gods, and he's trying to show Israel, look, I'm a lot more powerful than the little deities around that these other people have. And and this is part of their problem later when they get into marriage, people that that were into foreign gods, is they start to show, look how powerful I am. When we honor God, we get to see the power of God all over this world. Honoring God. Look at the warning, chapter 2, verse 1. He's warning the priest. In verse, ver, ver, chapter 2, verse 2. If you do not listen, if you do not set your hearts to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, there's a problem if the people in leadership don't honor the name of the Lord. God is telling his leadership, honor my name. If you don't honor my name, there's going to be a problem. You're going to end up having trouble. You end up losing my blessing. You end up losing my presence. And it's what they did. They didn't honor God. He's, he's not trying to tell Israel, he's not trying to tell Judah that it's hopeless or they, they can't ever come back to him. He's trying to wake them up. Now, let's talk about honoring God in the covenants. Because I see, I see this thing about covenant here in chapter 2. Again, the Levites in chapter 2, verse 4. And you will know that I have set you this admonishment, so that my covenant with Levite may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him. And he goes into detail as what his covenant was. God is the one that made the covenant with that group of people, set them aside to do something for his glory, for his honor. And he's reminding them of the covenant. Anybody need reminding of the covenants of God? That's why we have the word, don't we? We need to be reminded of the covenants. You know, people make covenants with each other, make agreements. They, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and nowadays it seems like, I don't know, Pastor, it seems like to me, it's just like, Easy to say these things and never follow through. It costs a lot more to fulfill the agreements. And God's trying to show Israel, I'm keeping my part of the agreement. You've got to keep your part. And I'm going to correct you. So what does he do? What, what was one of the problems that the priest had? Intermarriage. They had intermarriage problems. They were divorcing and remarrying. And they were marrying people that were uh, not, not Jewish. They didn't believe in one God. They had multiple gods. They were, they were not even legally following the uh, bill of divorcement. They were just divorcing the wives without any paperwork or not any uh, cause or reason. You remember when the lady was uh, caught in adultery in the Bible, when Jesus caught, the, the Jewish people caught? They brought the woman to be stoned, remember? Where was the guy, by the way? Caught, caught in the very act of adultery. They caught her. They wanted to stone her. They didn't want to let the guy go. Thank God for Jesus' mercy. Caught in the very act. So these leaders were not honoring God when it came to the covenant that God gave them. The covenant God gave them. You understand? He is a seeker. He sought them out. He, 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 he went after them. He chose the weakest of all the nations to choose them. Anybody ever feel weak? Oh, I feel weak so many times. 
go to Cambodia, go to this third world country, live in the conditions we were living in, different things going on. And I've, I've adapted. God's given me grace. But there's so many times I wanted to quit. There's so many times I just wanted to leave. You know what the hardest thing is? It isn't the people. It's just the hardest thing is getting people to realize that God has a covenant with them to do something to, to the nations. Well, I think the priesthood gave up. Because when you give up, you, you, you get up to a certain level, you start going back into, into violating the word of God. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because you start, you start I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come to church this Sunday. I'm not going to come to church that next Sunday. I'm not going to read the word. I'm not going to pray. I'm not gonna, and you start going down a step. How do these priests ever get so far away from the covenant? How do they ever get so far away from honoring God? How does anybody ever get that far away? One step at a time. One word at a time. So, what about verse 7? Chapter 2. For the lips of the priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction. Wow. God made a covenant with that group of people that that group of people were chosen to give out God's word from their lips. They were chosen by God. You and I have a covenant with God in Christ that we are chosen people, that we are the people that are chosen to be the mouthpiece of God and to release his word. Uh, verse, verse, number, uh, verse number 10, chapter 2, the covenant of marriage. We all came from one father, one God created us. But look what happened. How did they profane God's name? They broke fate with one another in verse 11. And then they ended up starting to marry the daughters of those who had foreign gods. They broke the covenant of marriage that God had set up. Plus they broke another covenant by going outside of the covenant plan of God. I know people have heard this before, but there really is no such thing as missionary dating. There really isn't. You cannot be in a relationship with somebody who you think you're going to convert them. You're not going to convert them. If you're in a relationship with somebody that has other gods than Jesus, get out of that relationship. Well, I'm going to convert him. No, you're not. Never have, never will. Did you convert yourself? What member in your family did you convert? Can you honestly say you converted somebody? I got an 87-year-old father-in-law that I'm sharing the gospel with and I'm praying for, and, and he's still, after all these years, still resisting the gospel. I'm believing God for a miracle, and God has been merciful. That man had a whole bunch of heart attacks. There's mercy. Yes, God is merciful. Did you ever make a big, big mistake? I mean, whopper one, and you didn't get it? God didn't kill you? you you're still living? You, you're still walking? Did you ever just like, wow, I got away with that? No, you didn't. <laughs> Jesus paid for that. So here they're doing is they're, they're walking away. It's these step-by-step stuff. You know, they went through this whole period where they had no temple. They got the temple back. They got all excited. They, they, they didn't complete the temple. They got the temple. The temple's built. They got their sacrifices. And then they pollute the offering. And now they can go from polluting the offering to polluting the relationships. 
Verse number uh, 13. This is a hard verse. I didn't want to read this verse. I want to take this part out of the Bible. Look at me, guys, pair of scissors. Can we take this verse out? All right, let's see what it says, okay? Uh, maybe it says I won the lottery. I better keep it in there, huh? You know how you win the lottery, right, Pastor? People always tell you, well, first thing I'm going to do, Pastor, give you tithe. <laughs> then they win and never see you again. <laughs> okay, verse 13. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with your tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. Years ago when I was pastoring a church, we had a man who was, I guess the guy's idea was buddy up with the pastor for some reason, he had like a lot of religious ideas, and he was going to be my friend, and he was doing all these things for me. Anyways, he was giving me some money, and I was like, well, I need it, money. It's good. He's giving me an offering. And I, the Holy Spirit told me, don't take his offering. Like, don't take his offering. <laughs> what are you, crazy? I need money. So I, I'm actually arguing, is this the Holy Spirit? Get away. <laughs> and God clearly made it clear to me, don't take that man's offering. You understand? There are times God will not accept the person's offering. Now, somebody might take an offering in the bucket. They may, might put it there. But see, see, you and I don't even want to get close to that cliff. Now, how do we get close to that cliff? We walk a little by little by little by little to the point. Now there's this, look, 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 he, he, he's, he's crying so there are tears, and he's asking God, well, I, I've done this wrong, or maybe he's confessing. But see, look, it's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Just because somebody cries when they get caught doesn't mean it's godly sorrow. I cry and I get caught too. Hey, police officer, be nice to me. <laughs> Give him a sad story. You understand what's happening? As God is saying, look, look. You're coming to me, you're weeping, and, and that's releasing your emotions, and, and you, and you, but there's not a godly sorrow going on here. I, I don't want nothing to do with these tears. I don't even want your offering. I'm bringing you here. Here's, here's the offering. I'm giving it to you. Well, that's a pretty serious scripture there. Wow. I'm not going to accept them. There's no pleasure in them. You see, see, look, 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 look. If there's no pleasure in that offering, then there is pleasure in other offerings. So, so when we give our lives, when we give our substance, we do bring pleasure to God. When I give myself unto God, God, take me and mold me and shape me and put me where you want. I'm giving myself to you. I'm offering myself this pleasure. He's pleased with that. He's pleased when we offer ourselves. And you see here that the... Uh, the offering wasn't accepted because the person's repeated sinful behavior of not honoring God. Let's make it a priority this year to honor God in all these things. And the last thing I want to share with you for a few moments is this marriage. Honoring God in the covenant of marriage. Chapter 2, verse number 10. Oh, I already shared that with you, sorry. I'll share with you in chapter, chapter 3. Go to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. 
God has prepared a messenger speaking to the Jewish people that will come to prepare his way. We know this is before Christ came. We know about John the Baptist coming. We know the messenger. So this promise that God has that he's going to complete his covenant with Israel, he's going to complete his promise with the people of God throughout the Old Testament. God is a covenant God. And God keeps his covenant. I'm sending my messenger. You know, God does send messengers today. He sends you and me to people to pray for them, encourage them, and build them up, strengthen them, and bring the presence of God through us to their lives. This messenger is going to come. It's a promise. Now, Israel didn't fully understand it when Jesus came, but the messenger was promised who will come before him. And I want to conclude here with this uh, honoring God by serving him. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. 13 and 14. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? And he said, the people are basically saying, it's, it's a waste of time for me to serve God. It's a waste of time. Now, we may not say those words. What we say is, well, I already shared a gospel with him. Nothing's happened. I've already gone there, done that. Nothing's happened. I've been over there. I planted the seed. I watered the seed. Nothing's happened. So then we give up. We may not openly say it's a waste of time for me to give. It's a waste of time for me to go. It's a waste of time for me to do these things. But then in our actions, we might be saying it's a waste of time. So don't we want to honor God in our service? Don't we want to do the things that he's called us to do? We want to honor him with the gifts and the talents and abilities we have so that we can honor him in everything we have. Now, the Bible clearly, in this portion of Scripture, talks about the giving of the offering of the tithe, the tithe and offering. It's talking about honoring God. It's talk- see, see, look, look. If we're not honoring God in our temple, we're not honoring God in our lives and our call, it, we, we can maybe even put something in the offering, but maybe our attitude is wrong. So, so it's important to give a tangible offering, to give financially to ministry to support the work of God. But it's equally important for us, even greater importance, for us to have the attitude of honoring God. When I give that offering, I remember years ago, we were at a church years ago, and they had these missionaries come, and it was a great church. And they took a missionary offering. So I'm standing next to this one missionary named Gene Cabby. Him and I are standing. Gene Cabby's been all over the world, great missionary, servant of God. And Gene and I were sitting there next to each other, and Pastor L. Smith gets up and tells people, give a wave offering. So people pull out, you know, the fives or tens or, you know, whatever, and they're waving it, Right? So Gene and I looked at each other. We both had a quarter, I think. I was embarrassed. I was like, Gee, the day he has to ask for a wave offering, the day I got a nickel. <laughs> and I took out my 50 cents, and Gene took out his, and the two of us said, let's give it to Jesus. We looked at each other at the same time, and we're going to honor God with ours. You know, maybe the missionary thought that cheapskates. <laughs> but, but we did. We honored God first. You honor God first. The giving comes out of the honoring. The releasing of the spiritual gifts in your life come out of the honoring. The honoring the covenant in your marriage comes out of honoring God. Honoring God. It's a great year to honor God. Because God has great things for us as we honor him. Pastor, you want to conclude the service? God bless you.